All right, awesome. Wow, this is so good. It's like, it's like a living room kind of thing. I'm serious, when I walked in, that's what I felt. It's like a living room. And there's no better place to share the gospel than a living room. Are you with me? Like, I love it so much. My, my wife said my hair is way out, so I'm sorry. Just look at her, she's shaking her head. She's shaking her head. Whoop, whoop. This one, that one? Okay, hold on. I'm gonna get it. Hold on. No, it's not good. Oh no, it's not working. It's hot. It's hot. It's a bee. I got it? Hey, come on. It's a beehive. I have my younger daughter, Briley. My daughter, Briley and Zoe are here. Briley's 12, Zoe's 17. And then my wife, Jackie. And then we have two of our sons, our seven-year-old and our four-year-old are here. Then we have another daughter that's 26. And so I got 26, 17, 12, seven, and four. That's busy. But it's amazing, right? How many of you have never heard me before? Raise your hands high so I can know. Like, where have you been? I, I, I just, I have a passionate love for Jesus but there's no compromise. <laughs> here, here, here's, what, here's what I'm saying. You either love him or you do not. And your love is proved by the life that you live, not the songs that you sing. The songs that you sing can be, can be sung out of the life that you live, but I've met many song singers that don't live the life. Are you with me? Okay, I'm, I'm gonna get really intense really quick. I just, I, I love you. But now is not a time to water down this gospel. Now is not a time to water down the truth because it's only the truth that makes people free. Psychology doesn't make people free. Psychology is the study of fallen man. And when I apply fallen man study to fallen man, all I get is a fallen man. Are you, are you guys hearing me? There is a war out there, and, and your pastor l told me this lovely spiritual warfare series that he's in. I've been in that series for 19 years. I'm not kidding, because the truth is, is that if I don't see what it really is, I'll think it's, it's just the way it is. And the way it is, is the way that seems right to a man. And the way that seems right to a man leads to destruction. It is destructive in every way. Some people say, well, hey, man, chill out. Like, I'm, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm skeptical. God didn't make you skeptical. You got that gift from Adam, not Jesus. Tell me that God gave you the gift of doubting him. Tell me that you were given the gift of doubting God when you were born. No, you were born in sin. Are you guys hearing me? You were born in sin, you grew up in sin, you were cultivated by sin, you were cultivated by the very enemy of God. Whoa, let there be light. I walked on a cord, I knocked a cord out. Thank you, bro, oh my gosh, I'm messing up your house. Sorry. <clears throat> Jesus' name, hey, did you see that? That was not right, he plugged it in and I saw it. I did not call the light in. I'm, I'm super stoked about who God's created us to be. I'm an identity teacher. I'm an identity preacher. I preach the reality of who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us. I believe that because of the lack of identity, that's why we're living like the world. 
if we don't understand who God's created us to be, then we're gonna be the one that God didn't create us to be. If we don't see who God is as the Father, we gotta know him as Father. Like, knowing him as Father changes your perception of why you're here. But so many people are like, you know what, my dad wasn't there, I mean, my father wasn't there, and I got father wounds, and you need to understand that that's why you must be born again. Born again changes fathers. Look, I understand my dad wasn't there for me like he could have been, like he should have been. He didn't know Jesus, how could he be? But when I'm looking for my earthly father to tell me one day that he loves me, I am looking to drink out of a dry cup that will leave me thirsty. That was a really good word. So many people are waiting, we're waiting for our dads to say they love us and we're searching our whole life waiting to drink out of a dry cup. Because unless your father is filled with the father, he can't give you the love that you need. This thing is all about coming into the love of the father. Do you understand that to be filled with the fullness of God is to know the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. That is how we, each individual and as the church get filled with the fullness of God. I mean, how big is God? How big is God? Is he big? They say the universe is expanding in 186,000 miles per second in every direction. Scientists have figured it out. And God holds it all in the palm of his hand and it'll never escape. And God wants to fill you with all of his fullness and it's all according to the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus. So this whole thing, the whole Bible, the whole word is honed down into the reality of Jesus Christ and him crucified. And if we don't see the reality of the price that was paid for us, we will live valueless in a world that thinks we're worthless anyway. Man, so many people have told me, you know, I just, you know, I don't feel worth it. We're not supposed to feel worth it. You're supposed to know you're worth it. Listen, the cross, Jesus paid a price. He didn't come because you were just horrible sinners. It wasn't because you were a horrible sinner. Sin was a problem, but underneath of that sin was something of such importance that heaven went bankrupt to get it back. See, the reality of this thing is that Jesus hung guilty on a tree while he was innocent because the value system of heaven is is always placed on the price that was paid for it. The value system in the world is always about what you paid for something. How much is it worth? If you're gonna buy a car and you went to the car dealer and they told you that this car, they wanted $120,000 for the car, but it was only worth 25, you would look at them and laugh, you'd walk away. A house, the same thing. We only pay something that gives the value. So if heaven thought that the value of you, if God thought your value was placed upon his son, his son determines your value, how could you say you're worthless? The only way you could is by not understanding the price that was paid for you. You can't afford to say, I'll never know how much it costs. You need to know how much it costs. When you sing, I'll never know how much it costs, you're saying there's no possible way for me to know how much of a price you paid for me so I'll always be worthless. Come on, think with me. If God thought that you were worth the blood of his son, that means that God's value system tacked a price tag upon each individual of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the price that was paid for every individual that comes to him. Therefore, your value is completely redeemed and restored back. Actually, the word reconciled means to be brought back to the sum of. We've been reconciled back to God. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. 
If you don't see you're reconcilable, if you don't understand you've been reconciled, if you don't see the price that heaven paid for you, you will live the way the world sees you to be. And all of a sudden, you will live and you will live by the praises and stroking of people. You will live by the petting of people. It's called the fear of man. And when you live in the fear of man, you can't touch the fear of God. But the fear of God cuts out the fear of man. And if you live by the fear of man, you will, you will gain your value through the praises of man and you will die by the criticism of man. And in today's world, I don't know if you see it or not. I mean, you live in LA, you might see it. It's not getting brighter, it's getting darker. But that doesn't mean that's supposed to with us. It says arise and shine. Hey, wait a second. The Bible calls us all to shine. That's why you're here. You're here to shine. You are here to be an imitator of God, dear children, Ephesians 5, and walk in love. What does love look like? Love looks like Jesus. Do you know what Jesus rebuked more than anything? Hypocrisy. There is no hypocrisy in love. Yet, what is the church known for? That's not okay. That's because we've incorporated Jesus into our lives and not surrendered. This is not Jesus incorporated. This is full surrender. This is all or none. This is for or against. The reason why we're being pottered by the world and molded by the world is because we're not being transformed by the renewing of our minds. Come on, I'm saying we, I'm not saying you, I'm not saying you or you, I'm saying we as the body of Christ collectively. We are not burning for the truth that Jesus says we are. We are not going after the reality of what he says. Why are you having a bad day? Since when is a bad, a bad day allowed in the kingdom? Well, you don't know what I've been through. No, you don't know what he went through. You guys all right? Oh, this is really good. It is because if you get it, you'll be free from you. What if you were free from you? What would you do? You'd never be offended again. You'd never be a hurt by people. You'd never be a hurting person. You would learn to hurt for instead of being hurt by. You'd never allow sin against you to produce sin within you. Wouldn't that be something? If you realized that your war and you actually believed it in spiritual warfare, if you realized that your war is not against flesh and blood, Ephesians 6, are you with me? It's not against, we do not wrestle against the flesh, but we wrestle against principalities. We wrestle against demonic strongholds and those strongholds aren't above your city. Those strongholds are in your soul. Oh, come on. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse four says, the weapons of our warfare are not worldly, are not carnal, but are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Where are those strongholds? Taking every captive. How can I take every thought captive? I have to know my father's voice. Jesus said, my sheep will hear and obey my voice and the strangers, they will not. It's a commandment, it's not an option. But in order to know the stranger's voice, you have to know the father's. The father's voice is really clear and really true. It's full of love. Yes, he brings correction, but it's only for your encouragement, for your edification, to build you up and to grow closer to him. Your father will never bash you. He'll never hammer you. He'll never hurt you. He'll never abandon you. Oh my gosh. That is such a big word today. We tell people that they have the spirit of rejection. The reason why you're dealing with this is because you have the spirit of rejection. 
When you're born again, you've been given some kind of other spirit. That spirit is called the Holy Spirit. That spirit can never be rejected. So your spirit and God's spirit become one spirit. You become one with him. That's what it says. It actually says that you're now flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. Come on, man, it's not just about my flesh, my flesh. Stop glorifying fallen nature. Man, come on. Listen, you know when you say, well, my, my spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know how people emphasize weak, but they say my spirit is willing. You know, your spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. It's not, it's not right. It's not right. To amplify the weakness of the flesh is to amplify a flesh that's supposed to be crucified. I don't know, but it's in your Bible. If you read that, it's in here. Your flesh is supposed to be crucified. Therefore, I've been crucified with Christ in the life I live. I no longer live for myself, but I live for the one that gave himself for me. I'm telling you that the battle is right here. It's about your reality of pressing into this with everything that you are because your love for God can only be proved by your hunger for the truth. Your love for God can't be proved because you come to church and you put your hands up and worship. Your love for God has to, glor- has to go after the very thing that God's called you to. See, it says to not be. It says in, in are you guys with me? Are you okay? Am I going too fast? All right. Because I'm all about spiritual warfare. When you said that to me, that's my whole life, bro. Like every day of my life, I have to realize that no matter who's talking to me, my war is never against them. No matter how angry, no matter how hateful, no matter what they do, no matter if they cuss me out, spit in my face, they are not my problem. I was and I died. How could you be offended if you're really walking like you're supposed to? Come on, if it doesn't say deny the devil, pick up your cross and follow him. It says deny your, hey, self is an issue. Would you agree? Come on, the wisdom of the world is sensual, it's in James, is both sensual, feeling-oriented, and demonic. It's full of self-seeking and envy, and every, not some, doesn't say some, it says every evil thing is there. Come on, the wisdom of the world, sensual, demonic, feeling-oriented. I feel this way, I feel that way. We don't live by feelings, we walk by faith. This is a strong man, a strong woman's gospel. This is not something that you just incorporate Jesus in for a better day. You'll be pummeled by hell. The devil will play you like a puppet because you don't know the truth, so you'll give people your opinion. You guys okay still? All right, because I'm gonna get more intense. Because I don't, there's nothing in this for me except for leaving some kind of deposit to where I never, ever, ever come. The Lord said, I'll never put you at a place where you'll tickle ears. I will put you into a place where you fillet hearts. Because I'm not about making you happy. I'm about waking you up. It says, do not sleep. We are people that do not sleep. We are people of the day, not the night. We don't sleep. We don't slumber. We're going after this. Jesus is coming back. I don't know when, but it was sooner today than it was yesterday. He's coming. Do you understand that you have the ability to leave a legacy of what it looked like to be possessed by God? Because you're going to be possessed by the spirit of the world or possessed by the spirit of God. You have to make a choice. Choose this day whom you're going to serve. Either live for yourself with his death or live for him, which is life. If you sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. But if you sow to the spirit, you reap life. 
All of us, when we said yes to Jesus, have become, Romans 12, 1, living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. Come on, all of us. That doesn't mean I'm getting my toes wet. It doesn't mean I'm gonna try this church this week and this church next week. Doesn't mean I'm just gonna try this Christian thing and see if it works. This isn't a been there, done that, got the t-shirt. This is fully surrendering and saying, God, I'm going after you with everything that I am because I'm not living for me another day and I'm gonna burn for you and I want everybody to enjoy eternity with me and I'm going to bring the kingdom everywhere I go. I'm gonna prophesy everywhere I go. I'm gonna get words of knowledge everywhere I go. People are gonna get healed everywhere I go. People are gonna get saved everywhere I go because you said in scripture, in Colossians 3:17, that whatever I do, Whatever I do, whatever I say, everything that you say and do is to be done unto the Lord and not for people, which means my job is my mission field. Walmart is my mission field. The beach is my mission field. Come on, drugstores are my mission field. Wherever I go, I own it. Why? Because every place the sole of my foot, my foot treads, God has given to me. Why? Because inside of this circle is revival. There is revival inside of the sphere that I carry everywhere I go. If you come into this sphere, you're getting Jesus. If I come into your sphere, you're getting Jesus. I will not get demonic stuff because you can't curse what God has blessed. I'm not kidding. Like I walk and live in authority. I'm not just popping off. If I was just popping off, the devil would, would have my lunch but he can't win because I'm never going to die. See, one day I'll put off this tent, but I'm going to go to be with Jesus. But every waking hour, every minute of my life, I'm going to burn for him. I'm going to represent him. I'm going to cast out devils. I'm going to see the sick healed. I'm going to see the blind see. I'm going to see the deaf hear. I'm going to see the lame walk. I'm going to preach the gospel and people are coming to Christ everywhere I go. This is called confidence, not arrogance. I can be so full of the truth of who God says I am that I don't believe any lies of what the world says I am. I can be possessed by truth, know the truth, and the truth will set me free, but that same truth that set me free keeps me free. And I walk in freedom, and I bring it everywhere I go. And nobody can stop it. The devil can't stop it. The government can't stop it. People, a witch can't stop it. Go ahead and try to curse me once. See what happens. I'm not kidding. I'm really not kidding. Like I've, I've had many come to me and say, oh. then sometimes when witches walk in, people are like, oh my God, did you see who's in the back? Right there, fear has you, you're done. Why wouldn't you say, oh my gosh, a happy meal. Oh no, I'm so serious. Like, is it possible that you can be that confident that no matter who's against you, you realize that God is for you? Is it possible that no matter who comes against you, greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in the world? What happened when devils came up to Jesus? Did they go, <sighs> They said, what have we to do with you? Come on, man. 
We've been bowing to the gods of Baal for long enough. We've been, we've been living less than our potential. God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. But without the sound mind, you can't walk in power and love. And if you don't have a sound mind, you might be able to walk in power, but you'll drift. And all of a sudden, it's all about power instead of love. But man... You have to be really careful to have your identity secure because I know a lot of people that have done a lot of miracles and are living in sin. And sin is not an option. Woo! It's not like either run or go home. Either go hard or go home. But don't give up. You guys all right? I love this so much. He's so pure. He's so lovely. He's so holy. Like, his name is Holy Spirit. He's here. He's in me. He's around me. He's in my midst. And he expects me to actually believe that I can be holy as he is holy. That doesn't be legal as he is legal, because he's not legal. The beatitudes, Matthew 5 through 7, aren't the do attitudes. They're the beatitudes. Come on. But what do we have to do first out of everything that we do? What does the Bible say to do first? He says, this is first out of all priorities. This is key to living kingdom. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that you worried about. All these things will be added to you. It's in Matthew 6, 33. God told me when I came out of Teen Challenge, because I was an addict for 22 years. I was a hardcore atheist. I hated all y'all. I'm not kidding. Like it was not a little hatred. It was an avid hatred, a very strong hatred. I was a very bitter atheist, very angry and all about me. And it was about me, myself, and I. And I destroyed many people in that life. And when I got born again, I realized that my whole life was an absolute lie. And when I came out of Teen Challenge, I actually had surrendered my life to God. I didn't just, let me see, make sure I'm not going over time. Oh, I got 27 minutes. My wife said, don't wear your jacket. I said, I can do it. I can do it. I was expecting that whoever said cool was coming. Where are you? You said it. No, who said it? There was a man that said it's going to get cooler. Where are you? I'm holding you to it in Jesus' name. It hasn't happened yet. When I look at that light, I feel warmer just looking at it. But I'll never see hell, so this is as hot as it gets, buddy, so I'm okay. Yeah. When I went to Teen Challenge, I came out of there and the Lord told me, he said, I'm marking you with the scripture. You're gonna live by it all the days of your life. It was Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's the biggest chapter on worry in the Bible. It's the answer when you wanna step into the reality of the truth of who God's called you to be. Righteousness and kingdom are the number one and number one priorities because they're both in the same. Because it says the kingdom of God in Romans 14, 17 isn't meat or drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom. But righteousness is, some, is a word that's out there that is rarely understood by Christians, but it's the only word that will keep you free forever. Righteousness means that I have right standing with God. Actually, when I look at it, like when you look at it, the same standing that Jesus has with the Father, I have with the Father. The same standing that Jesus Christ has with the Father, I have that exact same standing because of righteousness. That's not many people clap because it's not understood. But how can you be free unless you see who God says you are? 
if you are the righteousness of God that's in Christ Jesus, God says, he who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin. Come on. Second Corinthians 5, 21. He who knew no sin became sin so that you might become something. If you never realize what you've become, you will live to do to be, and you're not supposed to be a doobie. Oh, thanks, buddy. I might just dump that on my head. See, when I, when I, can I, can I briefly just hit my testimony real quick? Because it's my first time with you. Hopefully not my last. I love you guys. I, I was really excited. Worship was amazing today. I just want to tell you. And when your pastor starts singing with that voice, I'm like. Come on. I was like, Lord. No, he, Lord. Smooth. It was so good. I, it was really good today. Thank you. Thank you. So, so just briefly, I want to just share quickly my testimony. I'm going to try to do it really quick because I want to, I want to hit some stuff. Um, I'm going to go through it briefly. I have my book here. It's the only book I've ever written. It's the book of my testimony. It's this big, so I'm going to share it in a couple minutes, which is way longer. But it's very dark. My, my testimony is very dark. It's very wicked. But the reality of it is, is the light is very bright. And so all that wickedness got snuffed out. And then when I started to pray for the sick, I had a war on my hands because my wife that, that I married, and, and I'm gonna go into it and share, in two weeks she said she'd never go in public with me again. And it was real, and she wouldn't go for almost nine months. But the miracles that broke forth in that place of suffering and understanding that she's not my war, that Jesus has called me to live this gospel. I didn't say, I'm not listening to you. I just would go in my room and pray. The, the testimonies of all that is in here. And if you want to walk in the supernatural, this will kickstart. And I'm not kidding. Like it's a reality book, but we're going to have it outside when we're done. Who here has a prodigal son that needs to come home? Come on. You raised your hand and put it down like you don't want to admit it, but I want him saved, amen? Come on, amen. People are like, oh, no, I don't want to say that. I got it, because you claimed him for the kingdom, you, and he has a lot of word in him, and you guys have sown it your whole lives into this kid, and he's just chosen a different path, but he'll come home, amen? Oh, yeah, he will. He will, because you're a man of integrity. You love Jesus. You guys have loved Jesus in front of him out loud. He just chose another way. But that other way won't work. It just leads to eating with pigs. But don't worry. Don't worry. Amen. You know, it's hard to say that. Sometimes you tell people that and they're like, oh, you just don't get it. You don't know where he is. Ah, but Jesus. But Jesus. So I, my parents got divorced when I was like 11. I got really angry, really, really angry. And I chose drugs and all that to try to get to try to get it out of me, but it didn't work. My dad left. My mom put me into a place called the Masonic Homes. And when I, am I tripping on stuff? Probably knocking lights out. And I went to this place called the Masonic Homes. I was raised by the Masons. I started drugs at 12, fully hooked, 12 years old. And when I was about 15, when I was 17, I got kicked out of the Masonic Homes. I came home. My stepdad tried to be the man. I proved to him he wasn't. And it was not a good thing. Stealing guns, stealing all kinds of stuff. I joined the military to straighten it out. I went to boot camp down at Paris Island. Went to the Marines. Any Marines in here? Hey, all right. Way to go. I did not do well, but thank you for serving. I didn't. I went to boot camp. I dropped 76 pounds. I came out of boot camp. 
and ended up like wanting to leave and they said no because I started partying again with the guys. They drink like crazy. But when I started drinking, I started drugging and I went AWOL, I ran away. So I went home, stole a bunch of money and drug deals, went out to Colorado, hid in the mountains. Ended up getting busted in a traffic violation. Bunch of cops with nine millimeters in my head put me in the Frisco County Jail. I awaited extradition. I got extradited across America, got put in military prison. I was down there at Camp Lejeune in the brig. They took my rank away, slapped me on the wrist, took my pay away, told me don't do it again. Of course, two months later, I'm AWOL again. I left. I bailed, but this time I hid for a whole year. I was out in the mountains in Colorado. I went to the same place I got busted before. Not smart, not good. But the mountains were like the closest to heaven that I thought would ever be available because I thought that was heaven and I thought this world was hell. So I was out there, man, and I, I'm, I'm, I just got busted again. You know, a year later, get put in jail, got extradited back to the military base again. This time, six months later, they kicked me out, give me a bad conduct discharge. I come out and I'm jacked up. I'm doing pretty good on my speed here. I, I, you don't know, because my testimony can take three hours. I'm doing good. That's my wife. She's like, my God, you're already there. That's amazing. <laughs> She's freaked out right now. This is a miracle right now, baby. It's a miracle. She's shaking her head. Is it not a miracle? Look at my kids. They could get up and share my testimony. They've heard it every day of their lives. Because I share it probably 10, 15 times a day. Why? Because it never changes. And testimony means do it again, God. When you share your testimony, you impregnate the very place for that thing to take place again. People hear it and go, there's hope for me. There's hope for my kid. There's hope for my neighbor. There's hope. That's what happens. So man, I ended up, I ended up meeting this girl um, about, I don't know, we, gosh, like a year and a half, two years later, we move in together. She thinks I'm the man, not at all. Hooked on drugs, she's, she's amazing, she's working, she's steady. I start milking this, she gets pregnant, we have a daughter. When my daughter was born, I became suicidal, bipolar, borderline schizophrenic, manic depression, on the meds, on drugs, trying to fix this thing, because there's a war right here, and my soul wasn't saved, and all I thought about was how can I get mine? And so my daughter grew up with a drug addict as a dad, Six months later, she's gonna leave. I'm gonna kill myself, but she doesn't. She stays, and then like within a few months, she said, I'm gonna find another man that will take care of me. And I said, if you do, I will kill you. I will kill him first, make you watch, and then I'll kill myself, and we leave our daughter with nobody. And I thought that way my whole life. So the spiritual warfare thing, I get it, because I was that guy. I was that lost, and I was that planning to end it all. I was, I was hearing voices every day of my life, run into the tree, take the car off the road, hit the pole, you know, take these pills, whatever. And that happened for a nine-year period with this girl. So I ended up messing up so bad, seven-and-a-half-year-old kid. I come home one night, and I had met a pastor. Um, I, I met a pastor this night. She, she left. She's gone. She leaves a note, says, we went to grandma's house. My daughter does, my 26-year-old. She comes in on Monday. We're on vacation here for a month. It's amazing. So my, so my daughter leaves a message and says, mommy's never coming home. She hates you. I said, you, you know, I, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's over. I went over to her stepdad's house to get a rifle. I was going to kill myself. On the way to the gun cabinet, I passed by a phone book and I flipped it open and it opened to churches. Now, I'm not a church guy. I'm not a um, going after Jesus guy. It was actually like this crazy, flip it open, oh, angry, made a check at one of these 586 churches in my hometown. I drove to this church. I met this guy by the name of Dan Moeller. When I met Dan, 
I was trying to tell him about my junk and all he did was tell me about Jesus. And I was so angry because he was so happy. What gives you the right to be so happy? Like you're making me sick. And I would just, I hammered And he's not even listening. I said, you're not even listening to me, man. Do you understand what I've done? Do you know where I've been? I never told anybody that stuff before. He said, yeah, do you know Jesus? I said, I didn't come here to hear about Jesus. He said, this is a church. But I wasn't a church guy. I wasn't a church goer. I thought it was only for hypocrites, the church. Because come on, man, when you talk to an atheist and you ask them about like Christians, what do you think they say? They're a bunch of hypocrites. We shouldn't have that. My worst comment I get from people is you're the real deal. I, I hear that all the time. You know what, bro? You're just the real deal. Man, Todd White, he's a real deal. Now I get called a heretic too. So you have to need that. You need that. <laughs> Oh, I do. If you're not hated, you're probably going the same direction the devil is. There's a suffering for believing the truth and going after this with your whole heart. Jesus didn't say, in this world you'll have joy. He didn't. He said, in me you have peace. But in this world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Where does your joy come from? Because he overcame the world. And what did he create you to be? An overcomer. Ah. Oh. So I am, I am jacked up, go to this church, talk to Dan. I was like, um, whatever. If he wants it, he can have it if he's real. There, I did it. That was my prayer. <laughs> not, like, not like, oh God, please take my life. I was angry and Dan was like, amen. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? What is Amen. He said, so be it. I'm thinking, so be, the drink, so be. I don't know any church language, none of that stuff. And Dan's so gracious, and he's like, he's like, here's my number. I said, I don't need your number, dude, I'm good. And he goes, please, take my number. He goes, I wanna help you. But no one ever tried to help me. So I was like, whatever, dude. I put it in my pocket, I left the, left the place, I went home, and I called my girlfriend's mom's house and I said, hey baby, my daughter answered the phone. I said, you need to tell mommy that daddy found God. And my kid said, what's he like, dad? And it was real, but I didn't know what he was like. So I told her what I knew. I met this pastor and he says that his God's gonna change daddy's life. She goes, mommy's never coming home, daddy, she hates you. I said, doesn't matter. Daddy's gonna have God change his life. You need to kick and scream and do whatever you gotta do to get her home. So she kicked and screamed and mommy came home. And I said, hey. She goes, don't you hate me, you holy rolling hypocrite. Now you're gonna bring God into your life? And she just hammered me and I deserved it. I earned it because that's what I did. I lied. So that first night I told her everything's gonna change. My daughter, I put her to bed. She's so happy. Daddy, I'm so glad you found God. What's it gonna be like? I said, I don't know, honey, but this pastor's gonna teach me. Okay, daddy, I love you. I love you too. Hour and a half later, cocaine binge. Why? Because God didn't say go make confessing Christians. He said make disciples. There's a difference between just confessing him at an altar and actually knowing him. We need to know him. We can't afford to know about him. Knowing about him doesn't change you. Knowing him intimately transforms you and changes everything about your life. Everything about your life. But I wasn't gonna step into that. So I've got this band, like I'm a singer, a front guy in the band, right? 
So all these guys are coming to my house for band practice. And I'm, we're not singing lovely music. Like I'm a hardcore singer, like, like really hardcore. Like Seven Dust, Pantera, like that kind of stuff. Like really aggressive stuff. And I'm the singer, I'm the front guy. So the guys are coming over, hey dudes, guess what, man? They're like, what? I'm like, I give my life to Jesus. And it's my basement, band practice. They go, shut up, dude. Don't even go there. I'm like, oh no, 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 for real. They're like, please don't talk about this. I said, man, why? They said, here, and they gave me a big fat joint. And I went, Jesus loves you guys. <laughs> I'm serious, I'm partying hard, like getting high. And now it's like, I'm chill time. And yeah, Jesus, man. So finally at the end of practice, they're like, they're like, dude, like we're done hearing that. I'm like, Jesus, 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 over the mic. And three of the guys picked up their stuff and said, we will never talk to you again. We hate you. And that's after four years of being a band with all originals that we were trying to get signed. They all bailed, but one of my friends stayed. His name was Bobby. He was like my best friend, like in the world. He goes, bro, you found your path, I got mine. Like, hey, whatever works for you, it's not for me though. I'm like, cool, man, so you're gonna stay? He's like, yeah, of course, you're my only friend. He was like one of those guys that didn't talk to many people. Like I was the one guy that had a voice in his life. So I'm partying with Bobby, getting high, and then we leave that day, and the next time he comes over for practice, I'm upstairs, I remember it vividly. I was fighting with my girlfriend. I punched my closet in my bedroom. I cut my finger. Bobby's downstairs in band practice. We had a single wide trailer that was on top of a foundation, a basement, so he could hear everything. There's like, you hear everything. So I went downstairs and I go, hey man, Jesus loves you, bro. He goes, dude, look, man, come on. I, I heard what's going on up there. I said, man, well, yeah, I just get mad, bro. Do you have any joints, man? Yeah, gives me a big doobie, get high. Man, Jesus is real, bro. And I'm partying with him, I'm drinking. We have our practice. Next time, he doesn't, sh he doesn't come for band practice. I called Dan when I came home in the morning after I had binged again. And I said, your Jesus don't work, bro. I did it again. And Dan simply said this, Todd, how do you feel? I said, how do I feel? Did you not hear what just happened? Like your Jesus isn't working in my life. And I went and got high again. I came home after a crack binge, drained our bank account again. He said, Todd, how do you feel? I said, I feel horrible. Why would you say that to me? He said, the reason why you feel horrible is because there's a seed that's growing in your heart. I said, make it grow faster and freaked out. <laughs> freaked out. Because I don't understand seed. All I know is I am lost still, even though I could be found. I was blind even though I should have seen. I was still dead in my sin even though I could be free. And I had no idea how to be free. I had no idea. But Dan would tell me, you got to read the Bible. You got to find out. You got to go into this section of scripture. But man, I had learning comprehension disorders and I'd never read a book before. So for 34 years, I'd never read a book. So I wasn't about to just get the Bible. Do you understand? But, but I didn't know what I know now. I know now that the Bible's not meant for your brain, it's meant for your heart. Because your heart can take you places that your brain can't fit. And if you would dare to sow the seed of truth inside of your heart, you would know the truth concerning every issue of life and God would transform you from inside out. But I'm not, I'm not getting it at this time. And man, months went by. I'm going to church and you know, the worship's up there and I'm a singer in a band. I'm like, I can do this. Like, so I'm like, hallelujah. And they're like, whoa. 
that guy can sing. Hallelujah. People were like, oh, he's gifted. Hallelujah. People were like, he should be on the worship team. Oh, my God, no. <laughs> Don't put me on the worship team. I have no idea who I am. And I'm looking around, seeing if everybody's watching. Hallelujah. How twisted is that? Gaining who I am through a gift and not knowing who I am because of what he did? Then all of a sudden I've got position, I've got authority in this place, but I have no idea who I am. It's a recipe for destruction. We gotta know who we are. I can't afford to gain who I am through the praise of man and the opinions of people. I'm gonna gain who I am through heaven and what he did. So I'm jacking this thing up, man, really bad. Months go by, another month goes by, another month goes by. Five and a half months later, I go out one night, I'm out of money. I am confused. I have ruined this thing with Bobby. He's like, dude, look at you. You're worse than most Christians I've ever met before. You're worse. Look at you. The hypocrisy is so damaging. Don't you realize Jesus isn't real? Look at your life, bro. And I'm like, you understand, like, he is real. You gotta meet this pastor. I don't wanna meet no pastor. You're my friend. Listen, it's time you give this up and just understand you can do this on your own. I said, no, I can't. He said, just look at my life. I'm doing it on my own. Three and a half year old kid, seven and a half year old kid. I mean, doing really good. He's a great dad and he's got a great wife and he's got great kids. And man, there's nothing that I can say as far as who he is as a father, nothing. And here I am trying to tell him about my Jesus, but it's not working. So five and a half months go by, I go out and rip off this drug dealer. My daughter and my girlfriend followed me out the night that, that night to try to get me to stop. And I lost them, went down the streets, picked up some 15-year-old thug from New York City, had him in my car. I told this kid that I was a police officer after I had two eight balls. I know you guys don't know what that is, but I had a large amount of cocaine in my hand. And I said, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can only be used against you in a court of law. I'm ripping the kid off. He said, I knew you were a cop. And he's pounding the dashboard. And I said, get out of the car and put your hands on the hood and shut your mouth. So he gets out of the car. I hit the gas. He spins around and he unloads a nine millimeter. 14 rounds right outside my vehicle. Boom, 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 boom. None of the bullets touched my car. I'm talking 10 feet away. Not possible. I heard a voice in my car say, I took those bullets for you. Are you ready to live for me yet? No grid for God, but you talk about the goodness of God and the mercy of God. I deserve to die that night. But God stopped a whole clip of a nine millimeter at me from 10 feet away. Why? I didn't do anything to earn it. I did everything to throw it away. I did everything, everything wrong. I'm living as a hypocrite. I'm hating people. I'm telling that I love God, that I'm hurting my girlfriend, hurting my daughter, destroying their image of who God could be. And in Bobby's life, destroying everything that I could in a best friend's life that only talked to me. So man, I come home that night after I couldn't get high. And when I get home, my girlfriend's on the couch with my daughter again, waiting for daddy to come home. My daughter was on the couch with my girlfriend for a long time, man, because I was out on binges consistently and I didn't care about nobody but me. And I had this Jesus in my life. And so all of a sudden I come home, I realize I gotta go, I gotta leave. She says, get out of my life, I hate you. My daughter's screaming, I leave. Whoa, in Jesus' name, come out. It did, I'm just kidding. 
So, so I went away to this rehab called Teen Challenge. A, a bed opened up. I, I was not allowed to see my girl, not allowed to see my daughter. But right before I left the Teen Challenge, I called my friend Bobby and I said, bro, I'm going away to rehab. And I told him what happened. I told him I got shot at. He goes, bro, the guy was a bad shot. I said, he was right outside of my window. He said, well, still, he missed you. He was the bad shot. I said, I heard a voice say, I took those bullets for you. Are you ready to live for me yet? He said, Todd, now you're hearing voices. You do need help. I said, I'm going away, man. I'm going away and I'm going to meet Jesus. And it was a year program. I wasn't allowed to talk to anybody. So I was leaving. I went away. I, I couldn't see him when I left, but he told me he would be there when I got back. He was my best friend, the only guy that stayed with me. So I went away to Teen Challenge and three days into Teen Challenge, lost my daughter, lost my girl. I shaved, I had dreads before. I shaved my head bald. I went in there. I'm done. Like I'm done. I mean, I'm finished. The Bible doesn't say submit to God and then you resist the devil. The Bible says submit to God and the devil's resisted. The devil's resisted out of your submission. So when I went in there, I completely surrendered. I surrendered all. Not just a little bit, not 10%, not 90%, 100%. I said, I'm in. It's a full commitment. That's what I did. So I go in there. Three days later, I get a phone call. Pastor's on the phone. I go into the office and he said, Todd, and I said, please help me understand what's happening because it looked like someone hurt my daughter, hurt my girl because I don't want them to suffer for what I've done. So he tells me, it's your friend Bobby. He had a brain aneurysm. So my best friend in the world, the only one to, ha to, ha to be there for me is now in a coma with a brain aneurysm. And I don't know healing. I don't understand any of that stuff. All I know is that this guy who was good to me, who told me that you're gonna be okay, you need to find the power from within, Jesus isn't real, is now in a coma and there's nothing I can do. I stayed in Teen Challenge, it broke me, I mean, big time. Then God spoke to me, and this is what he said. They were talking about trials in the book of James. Ooh, I'm still okay, right? 1227, I gotta finish this or they'll think I'm a sinner, okay. Damn. Gosh, do you know the Bible calls you a saint? Do you know that it doesn't call you a sinner? You were a sinner, then you got saved and you got translated from dark to light, from lost to found, from blind to see. The Bible says that the pastors, apostles, prophets, come on, teachers, evangelists are for the equipping of the, hey, can't equip people up there. For the equipping of the saints for the works of ministry. That means that the fivefold gift is to equip the saints, the body of Christ, that are holy and set apart. You can't be a sinner and a saint at the same time. It's confusing. Your habitual nature to sin gets cut off when you surrender. <laughs> Guys, you don't understand. Like when I went into Teen Challenge, I was hooked on porn from eight years old. I was hooked on drugs from 11 and a half, 12 years old. I was hooked on alcohol from 11 and a half, 12 years old. I was hooked on me. I was hooked on selfishness. I was hooked on everything. Everything I needed more. I was the guy to need more. That's why Jesus is the perfect fix for more people. Because you can never overdose on him. You are created by God to be addicted to him. And when you become addicted to him, your whole life changes. Because you can never, ever, ever do wrong from loving God with everything that you are. Because once you start to realize that God is your everything, you will actually love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And if I love God with every part of me, my hand can no longer tell me what to do. Listen, your hand causes you to sin. He says, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. 
Your eye can't tell your brain what to do. Your brain has to premeditate and tell you what to do. The thought life is the demonic strategy, the demonic warfare. You have to get to the heart of this thing. You have to actually go after God for the reason why he went after you, to make you again in his image. So that you can see who you're created to be and all those things that draw you away, self-control is being so focused on God's voice that every other voice loses its voice. It is really good because it's truth. Truth is always good. So I'm up at Teen Challenge, I'm going after Jesus. They have this one day where they're talking about trials. And I hate trials. And like, and, and, but I don't understand what they're talking about in context. I just know that I've been on trial a lot. <laughs> and I'm going up in front of a judge with an orange jumpsuit and I'm like over it. Cause I'm guilty, I'm going to prison. That's my idea of a trial. So they go, consider it joy. <laughs> I'm in class, consider it joy brothers when you face various trials. I said, don't even tell me that. Are you telling me that I'm supposed to like going in front of a judge? I got an orange jumpsuit on. I'm gonna be extradited across America. And you're telling me to think it's joyful? You guys are out of your mind. And that was just not being rebellious. That was just me thinking carnally. So I said, no, brother, that's not what they're talking. No, no, you said trial. I've been on trial so many times. I know what trial is. So they're like, no, no, no. I'm like, well, look, I'm done. I don't wanna hear it. Look, I love you guys, I thank you. I went right to my room. Next morning, I wake up, go to the prayer room. I'm like, where's that scripture? And I'm going through, I find it, consider it joy. Oh my gosh, what is going on? And it says, if you lack wisdom, ask God. And I went, oh my God, this is where everything changed for me. I said, I don't have any wisdom. <laughs> I did. Actually, I said this, I'm wisdomless. <laughs> I started freaking out. Oh my God, I'm whiz. I don't have any whiz. I don't have a clue. I don't have a clue. Oh my God. By myself in the prayer room, yelling at the walls, freaking out. I don't have a grant. I don't have a clue. My God, I don't have any wisdom. Help. So I said, you saved my life. Show me why. Because I don't want to do this anymore. Show me who you are. I don't want this in my life. I'm tired of living this way. I destroy everything. Help me. I don't have any wisdom. And it was like the Holy Spirit was like, I can work with that. <laughs> the wisdom of this world is sensual and demonic. It's full of self-seeking and envy and every evil thing is there. But the wisdom from above is peaceable and gentle and willing to yield and full of good fruits and without partiality and without hypocrisy. That's the wisdom that we need and we all lack it. That's what we need. So all of a sudden, this still small voice says, you don't like trials because you're always guilty. I said, absolutely. I'm actually way more guilty than anybody knows. I don't know if you know it or not, but you didn't get caught for everything that you did. Do you understand that you didn't get caught for everything that you did? Yeah. Well, you guys, you guys understand that, right? You didn't, you didn't get caught for everything. And I definitely didn't. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm always, I am guilty. And then the voice says, what if I say you're not guilty? I said, that's stupid, because I am guilty. But it sounded like my voice. I didn't know it was God's voice. I am guilty. Oh my gosh, I'm way more guilty. Jeez, I'm way guilty. The next voice said, I say you're not guilty. I went, that's the devil, straight up. I said, that's the devil. I did, because they're teaching me you can hear God's voice or the stranger's voice. So I went out of that room. I went right to a counselor. I said, you need to tell me right now, bro, am I guilty? He goes, you're in Teen Challenge, buddy. 
I go, you're right. Thank you. Thanks, bro. Thank you. Uh, but it wouldn't go away. That I say you're not guilty wouldn't go away. So I went straight to another guy and I went, bro, tell me the truth. Does the blood of Jesus make me not guilty? He says, well, theologically speaking. And he went into this land that I don't understand. I go, bro, I don't understand anything you're saying right now. I want you to think three-year-old. If a three-year-old came up to you and asked you, what would you say to him? I'd say the same thing I'm saying to you. <laughs> then he said this, one day you'll understand. I go, I don't know that I ever will get what you're saying. Because I didn't grow up with big words like that. So I went to another counselor and I go, bro, tell me the truth. Am I not guilty because of the blood of Jesus? He said, absolutely, brother. And I grabbed him by the shirt. I was so angry. I said, don't lie to me, man. Don't mess with me. Because that's too good to be true. Do you understand that's too good to be true? It's too good to be true. All I've dealt with is guilt, shame, and condemnation my whole life. And then when Jesus came in, I'm still doing the bad things, but now I feel worse now. Because I never felt like that before. But now I know that there's something more than what I'm living, but I don't know how to get it. But I'm in Teen Challenge, and this guy tells me, and he gives me some scriptures. I went upstairs. I'm like, all right, all right, Colossians 2. He wiped out the transgressions against me. I went, oh, my God. What? And I went to Hebrews 9, and it says, how much more shall the blood of Jesus cleanse your conscience? I went, oh, my God. Oh my God, I'm freaking. Like, I'm like, it's a whole new world. I'm freaking. I'm, I'm going nuts. You don't understand. I'm freaking out. Like, I am very vocal. Ask my wife. Very vocal. In the movies, don't do it. I'm, I'm that guy. I'm the guy. Because I believe everybody should know you shouldn't do it. I think we watched the movie Courageous. And the guy was told that he had to lie to keep the job. I went, don't do it, bro. No. And my wife was like, honey. I go, no, it's sin. It's wrong. <laughs> he didn't do it. It was cool. But he, not because I said it, but because of the movie, you know. <laughs> so I am like freaking out. Now I'm like going to class and I'm like, guys, like the blood of Jesus cleansed me. They're like, Praise God. I go, no, 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 no. Listen, like I don't have any sin in my life. They go, whoa, buddy. Hey, you need to, you need to relax. I, I will never relax again. They said, no, you need to calm down. Absolutely not. I will never calm down again. No one ever told me this. I woke up this morning and I looked in the mirror and I didn't have any junk. No, I didn't have any junk. I was, I was clean. I was free. It was real to me. And they're telling me to settle down. That's what the church will tell you. Not this church. They'll say things like, hey, brother, this is a marathon, not a sprint. But that's not even in the message Bible. It's a race. And real grace enables you to run the real race. But grace is not a license to sin. Grace is the ability to be free from it. Come on, grace is the, is the fuel that fills your engine that enables you to run. 
The abundance of grace is what enables you to unwrap the free gift of righteousness that you get to reign as a king in this life through. Righteousness says, it's as if I never sinned. It's as if I never missed it. Just as if I never sinned justified, just as if I never ate the tree, just as if I never did drugs, just as if I never did porn, just as if I never lied, just as if I never stole, just as if I never did wrong. God sees me that way. How else would he call me blameless and spotless? Why would he say that stuff to me? The world will tell you stuff. Religion will tell you stuff. Religion put relationship on a tree. Religion said, bring yourself down off there if you really are the one. Relationships sat there thinking, the reason why I'm here is for you. Religion always comes against relationship. But relationship looks at religion and says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're saying. They don't know who they are. But because I'm going to live my life and suffer for doing good and I'm gonna go after God with everything I am, that seed will stick in their soul and they never will be able to get over that. And one day that seed's gonna be watered by somebody else and they're gonna come to full repentance and give their life to Jesus. Oh, don't you think that everybody's gonna be on page with your fiery life? Because listen to this. When you walk in belief and the fire of God, unbelief has to do everything it can to get you out of the room to feel comfortable about itself again. When you walk in faith, unbelief has to get you away from them so they feel good about themselves again. And you're ta- I'm talking about a war like you've never seen. Just burn with fire and preach the gospel and believe the truth. Preach that you can be right with God with no sin in your life. Preach, that doesn't mean I don't have the ability to miss it, but that means I never want to miss it. And if I do, I have an advocate who's faithful and just to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I confess to him. But do I want to miss it? Absolutely not. Do I wake up wondering if I'm going to miss it today? No. I woke up with an A plus on my report card today. Why? Because Jesus paid the price to give me the grade. Ah. Man, so I'm on fire and I'm loving Jesus. So this is about... Two weeks, then I have these three dreams where I have encounters with Jesus. And he, and he tells me to go home and restore my family, friends. So I ended up packing up my stuff 10 months early, not looking good for the home team. No joke, because guys that leave Team Challenge don't make it. So I ended, up, I ended up packing up my stuff, went downstairs, Dan came and picked me up. Now when Dan got me, he didn't say, Todd, now you need to do this and this and this and this. And you have to make sure that you do this and you're not gonna just go live with your girlfriend again because he didn't say any of that. What he said was, what did God show you? I said, man, I said, he's real. He's real. Like Jesus is real. He goes, praise God. I go, no, 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 he's real. (laughs) And Dan knows, he's just like, so proud of you. I go, he's real, man. I go, you gotta do me a favor. You gotta take me to the house because I gotta see my daughter. I gotta, I gotta tell her I'm sorry because I didn't realize I was a father, but now I do. And I, I've got a seven and a half year old kid that I've lived as a dad. Any man could be a sperm donor. Any man could be a sperm donor, but it takes a man of God to be a father. I'm serious, man. I'm so serious. I get to my house and my daughter comes running across the porch. I said, hey, baby. How are you? She goes, Daddy, you're home. I said, no, Daddy can't live here, baby. Daddy destroyed Mommy. And all the time, she's been up on the couch waiting for Dad to get home from a binge. 
like pretty much the majority of her life. Like her mom is, is hurting. I've destroyed her. I have to tell her how I can't be there. And I said, I've hurt mommy so bad, but I'm going to show you who God is as a father. And she's just looking at me and I'm crying and hugging her. My girlfriend comes out and Dan's standing there. And I said, I am so sorry for all that I've done for you, done to you and how I've hurt you. She says, I know you are. When you went away, I gave my life to Jesus. Oh, oh, she still cries today because this is 19 years. This isn't yesterday. This wasn't two weeks ago, guys. This wasn't like, this wasn't a week and a half ago and there's still fresh feelings. No, this is real because it's a testimony on what Jesus did. When I came home, she looked at me and I said, I'm so sorry. And she told me, when you, when you went away, I gave my life to Christ. And I looked at Dan, I go, what is going on right now? He said, I've been sowing into your kid and your girlfriend when you've been gone. I went, oh my God. And the first conviction was this. I cannot live here. That's exactly what I said. I said, I can't live here. Why? Because I'm not in covenant with her. You can say what you want. You can say, well, my girlfriend and I love each other. My girlfriend and I, we love each other. You can't, you don't mess with this. We love each other. We're, we're, we're good. No, 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 you're not good. You're living together and calling yourself a Christian. That's not Christianity. That's the world. You can't have your cake and eat it too here. But if you love her, then you would commit to her. If you love her, you would say, you know what? I believe that you're the one that I need to be with. See how everything gets silent when I talk this way? Because it's so, because the church has become the world. This isn't mean, this is the gospel. And I realize where I'm at. And I realize people can say, well, you know what? The culture, it's just a different culture. Why would I sacrifice truth on an altar of trying to be culturally relevant? Why? Well, you don't understand. I love her. Okay, put a ring on her finger and prove it. Well, you don't understand my love for you, baby. And the girl's like, well, I don't want to have sex anymore because we're not in covenant. No, you know, I love you. No, no, no. If he loved you, he'd marry you. Think what you want. People are like, well, I don't want to hear him anymore. Then leave. At least when I'm here, leave. Because I love you. And I'm pretty sure that your pastor's on page with this. Listen, see, we think that love is love with compromise. We think that love is love like the world's love. Hey, you do you, I do me. You do you, boo. That's not the gospel. The words on this page, they're alive. The pages of the Bible are alive. And it says the two will become one. When the two become one, they make covenant before God who keeps covenant. That's why marriages are going through divorce. Because we don't understand what covenant is. And the, and the divorce rate in the church is just as high as in the world. And now you can marry anything. You can call yourself anything. You can say, well, no, this is my pronoun. No, no, no. You were born with an innie or an Audi. Oh no, is he really talking about that? I am. You're not gonna teach my kid. You're not gonna teach my kid and ask my kid if they think that they should be a girl when they're in third grade and can't even make sense yet. It's called manipulation, maneuvering, and it's domination from the demonic realm. You can say, well, no, no, everything's changing. No, 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 this Bible never changes. The Word of God never changes. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever because the Word of God is Jesus Christ. It's time that we stand up in the body of Christ for what is real and go after this thing and stop thinking that you're going to lose friends 
If you water down this gospel, you're going to stand before God and answer for your life. You're going to stand before Jesus. And people are going to answer for the deeds done in the body. You can say what you want, but this book backs the word up. Oh, that's right. It is the word. God is not okay with compromise. So I ended up looking at my girl and I said, I cannot live here. And she says, no, no, we need to be married. And I said, whoa. I said, Dan, I said, what's going on? Like, we need to plan this. And Dan goes, we're not planning nothing. We'll do it on Sunday in between first and second service. (laughs) Really? It's not like I'm thinking, I gotta hand out all these invitations. I need many people to come. No, I need the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I need my wife and I, my daughter, and Pastor Dan that's gonna join us. That's all I need, because everybody else is against me, because when we did that wedding, oh my gosh, her mama came, don't do it, oh my God, don't do it. Don't do it, look, he never fulfills anything, he always, always. In my wedding at the church, my stepdad, her stepdad, you blankety blank, you don't fool me, you liar, in church. So what? It's not for them. It's for him. So we got married that day. It was absolutely beautiful and absolutely glorious. We really did. And, and my daughter's my flower girl. And it was really cool. And we did a really cheap wedding reception at a fire hall. And it was cool. And I tried to smash cake in her face because that's what you do. She was like, don't. But I got her a little. It was pretty cool. But we got married 19 years ago. So after our marriage, yeah. So we got married and my daughter, my little daughter, my seven and a half year old kid, do you know that to this day, she's 26, she has zero memory from any of the drug addiction. And no one dealt with her and tried to go inside of her and fix what was broken. She just believed the truth about righteousness because righteousness makes as if, you've, as if you've never done it, as if it was never you. It was an old you that's dead now, but that's not you. We've incorporated psychology into a supernatural gospel and it's left people come up short because you can't apply the way that seems right to a man, to God. So anyway, the day after we get married, I really hear in my heart that I need to go see my friend Bobby. And I'm gonna end with this and we're gonna pray. But Bobby is up at a convalescent home. He's actually up there. He's, got, he's brain dead. He's in a coma still. I don't know anything about healing. I don't know miracles. I don't know anything. All I know is that when I lived in front of him, I lived as the biggest hypocrite on the planet. And I had the opportunity to talk to him about Jesus, and I used it to glorify me. And I talked about Jesus, but I got high, I partied, and I lived everything else but what Jesus called me to. Now, I know I did it in ignorance, so I, I, I get that but it's still the only picture of any Christian he ever had in his whole life. He was never around a Christian before. And so Bobby's up there. So I take my daughter up there and I'm like, I come into the place and Destiny's with me. And, and I came in and Bobby's just brain dead. He's got that, you know, the comatose where his eyes are staring straight forward in, in La La Land. And his, his skull is cut away and his brain's bulging out and his wife's there. And I said, Betty, I'm so sorry. She goes, why are you sorry? I said, because I didn't represent Jesus. Jesus? They're both atheists. Jesus, really? 
So you're going to tell me that there's a Jesus, there's a God? Look at my husband. Who do you think you are? I said, I was wrong. She goes, wrong for what? I didn't represent Jesus. She goes, shut up. I said, I will never shut up again. I said, that was my problem. I didn't know. She goes, shut up. Get away from me. And she went in the corner. She's trembling and shaking. And I looked in my friend's eyes. And I said, bro, can you hear me? Because you're staring right at them, but they're not home. If anybody's had a coma, they're, they're just not home. And I said, bro, Jesus is real. Like, he's real. And I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I started to sing, I'm sorry. I used to play music with him. And, I'm sorry. And I'm singing, nurses are coming in. I'm sorry. And he's not flinching. He's not blinking. He's just dead stare. I said, Jesus is real, man. I said, all that stuff. I said, it was all lies. I said, I, I've seen him. I know him. He's real. He's real. Jackie and I got married and I'm trying to tell him everything and he's just not there. And Destiny's crying profusely. And I said, I love you, bro. If you can hear me, confess his name. I kissed him on the forehead and I walked out. I went home, talked to my wife. It was hor horrible because for 30 seconds, I was, I was living in a place of condemnation where I saw all the, Jesus loves you, partying. It was funny back then, but it's not funny now because I was his opportunity to see something real and I used it to glorify me. And I went home and the next morning I woke up and Betty calls me. He, she said, Bobby died last night. That really hurt. I still feel the sting of it today. Not in condemnation. Massive conviction. See, as a whole, the body of Christ walks around condemned, guilty, ashamed. But conviction is far from us. But if you walked around in conviction and you just obey your convictions, you'd never step into condemnation. And righteousness frees you from guilt, shame, and condemnation because once you repent and you give that to God, it's as if you never did it. You don't have to go back and try to fix it again. God says their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. If anybody be in Christ, behold, old things have passed away. All things have become new. The second that you repent and you give that thing to him, he takes it from you. The key is knowing the truth of that and not allowing the stranger to whisper a lie like it still exists. And so I'm freaking out like, I mean, my best friend is gone. Betty calls me and says, Todd, you were Bobby's only friend. He would have wanted you to speak at his funeral. And I said, can I please call you back? I got to get with my wife and I'll call you back, okay? She goes, well, don't wait long because it's in three days. So I got off the phone. I go to my wife. I said, baby, I said, this is what's happening. And she said, you know you have to do this. You know you have to do this. You are Bobby's only friend. I said, but I wasn't a friend. A friend lays his life down for his friend. I didn't do that. That's what greater love is. Greater love have no one than this than he would lay his life down for his friend. And so I, I went and prayed. And of course, the Lord said, you're doing this. I called Betty back and I said, I'll do it. I'll be there. The night before I stayed up all night long. What are you gonna say? I got everybody that's in there as the atheist. I got the band members that hate my guts that are sitting in there that hate the name of Jesus and can't believe that I ruined their lives. So I'm in there and the little kids, this three and a half year old and this seven and a half year old there, they walk up to the coffin with their daddy in it and say, daddy, wake up. That's not okay. It's not okay for people to say at funerals, may he rest in peace when they weren't a Christian. 
I don't know if you know it or not, but every funeral says the same thing. May they rest in peace. And there is no peace without Jesus. There's eternal separation. There is no Jesus without, well, there, is no, there is no eternity without Jesus. And there's no father without Jesus. So don't believe the lie. It's no joke. And I had to sit there and watch that, but then tell those kids that your daddy died believing in me, but he said, I do not believe in Jesus. And there's only one name under heaven that men shall be saved. And his name is not Todd White. His name is Jesus Christ. And I had to tell those kids that. And I'm telling you, that's the hardest thing you'll ever have to do. And I only had to do it once. Why? Because in my life, it marked me, it marked, heaven marked me to never live in hypocrisy again a second of my life because somebody's watching you. Somebody that wants to see the real Jesus, somebody that's seen hypocrisy their whole life, somebody that's been hurt and destroyed, you can make a complete transformation just by surrendering and giving yourself to God and you don't have to have bobbies in your life. So the truth is that I had to tell the truth and that, that clergy guy came up and he gave an altar call and 28 people got born again that day out of 43, which is powerful. But it marked me forever. So I guess my question to you is, is the life that you're living worth the price that he paid? And do you understand, like Leonard Ravenhill taught, that this life is a dressing room for eternity? One day, all of us are gonna stand before God and we're either gonna hear well done or something else and you do not wanna hear something else. I teach my kids, I live my life that one day I'm gonna be with God. Listen, when I die, it's gonna be like this. No, I want you to see it again. Watch, just like this. Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The second that I leave this tent, I'm before him. And when I stand before him, he's gonna look at me and say, well done. Your priority, your number one ambition is to live a life pleasing here so that when you get there, you have a life pleasing there. You cannot afford to live for you. And I'm telling you right now, there's a place for you to get your heart right with God, to commit yourself completely, to go after heaven and not allow everything to stumble you like it has. So if you're here, and you know that you know that you need a complete, like a complete makeover where you're actually gonna surrender your heart afresh to the king. I just want you to stand up right now. And I'm not calling you anything. I'm saying, come out and be separate. Let's not play games. Let's go after heaven together. Let's really repent and really go after him. I'm not calling you anything. I'm saying, if this shoe fits, kick it off. You don't have to live for you anymore. You can live for God. You can burn. You can go after heaven. You can bring people to eternity with you. You don't have to live this life alone. God wants to fill you. He wants to mark you by love. He wants to transform you and change you. He wants, to go after, he wants you to go after him with everything you are. Stop going after the world, man. Life is short. Leave a legacy. Burn for him. Don't let this world tell you what you're not when God is telling you who you are. He loves you. He is absolutely wild about you. The love of the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the communion in the Holy Ghost. He wants you. And he's not mad at any of you. Just because someone stands up, he doesn't go, that person makes me ashamed. No, the Father's saying, come on, that's right. God is saying, come on, that's right. 
Come on, that's right. Get up. Get up and go after me. Get up and come after me with everything in you. Stop living a life for you. Stop living selfishness. Just go after me, God says. You can have everything because the Bible says that we've been given everything according to life and godliness. The Bible says that we're joint heirs with Christ and everything that belongs to him belongs to us. The Bible says that all of heaven's resources, all of heaven's resources is at our disposal to further his kingdom and not ours. God wants all of you. All he wants is full commitment. Heaven doesn't work inside of people unless they're completely surrendered and they've submitted to God. You guys ready to pray? I just want to say I'm so proud of you. I'm looking around this room, man. I see champions. I don't see people that are bad. I don't. I see people that want to do the right thing. I see people that want to come out and be separate. I see people that want to live a life worthy of the call. I see people that want to shine in the midst of a perverse and corrupt generation and shine as lights in the Lord that heaven would be glorified and they might see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's what I see right now. That's what I see. That's what I see. And God is faithful. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. It's like you have a daisy and you pick every petal and every petal says he loves me. There's no petals that say he loves me not because God's love never changes. Ours does. But today, a complete shift of heart, a complete surrender so that we can go after him together as a family. You know, when everybody in the family is on page and we're going after heaven together, man, that's what the church is like. The church the church is the fullness of him that fills all in all. That's who we are. That's who we are. Not just you. We. All of us together. We are the body of Christ. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. I thank you for everybody standing. I thank you for your heart for them. I love you. And I thank you that right now they're committing everything to you. I thank you. We worship you. We give you glory. We're asking you to forgive us. But not just forgive us. Remove everything Remove every stain. God, I thank you that stains in bodies from sin, like a lifestyle of sin, like stains in the blood, stains on the skin, cutting marks, all that stuff. God, you said that if we're forgiven and we repent, then that forgiveness is deeper than just our heart. That forgiveness is the stain being removed because you can't be judged for where you've been because God's already taken it out of your life. So where have, listen, what I'm saying is where you've been can't judge you anymore because God's redeemed you. Father, I thank you for the clearing, the cleaning of STDs. I thank you for the clearing and cleaning of scars in the name of Jesus. I thank you for hepatitis C being broken, coming out of bodies. I thank you for bloodstreams being healed right now in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for lives being restored. I thank you for absolute surrender where we burn for you. Father, I ask you to mark this place, God. I thank you for your great love for all these wonderful people here. Lord, thank you for a renewed faith. Lord, I ask you to make the grass greener, the sky bluer, the sun brighter. God, I thank you that you would take our conscience right now, because that's what it's about. It's about having the clean conscience. It's about your conscience that was defiled, getting washed by the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for freedom. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Holy up your way. Have your way, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name.